And here's the good news. And we see it in the text. The provision dried up. Don't miss this. The water stopped. The water was cut off. The brook was dried up. The raven stopped coming. But here's your shout. Just because God runs out of provision don't mean God ain't got a plan. Can you just preach to somebody and say, I may have run out, but God still has a plan. Come on, tell somebody God still, I'm through. Tell somebody God still has a plan. Thank you for tuning in to today's podcast. Come and join us in the sanctuary as we listen in on a dynamic word from our senior pastor, Dr. Gina M. Stewart. I want to talk today from the subject when the brook dries up. One of the features of a high school and college curriculum is that there are core courses and electives. Somebody shout core courses. Core courses are a set of courses that are considered basic and essential for future classwork and graduation. They provide a broad foundation for one's education. And not only that, Deacon Potts, they are designed to assure that they position us for a bright future. Core courses include math, algebra, geometry, calculus, science classes that include biology and chemistry and physics, English composition, which includes English, which includes composition and literature and speech, and social sciences, which include sociology and psychology political science, geography, and economics. These are core courses that all of us, if we, whether we're going to high school or middle school or even college or university, have to take. But then there are electives. Somebody shout electives. Electives are different from core courses because an elective is not a course that you have to take for graduation to obtain your specific degree, but you need to credit. Somebody said, but I need to credit. You need the credit in order to have the number of requirements or, or credits, that I should say, when your core requirements are satisfied. And the longer that I live, the more I'm convinced that one of the core courses that most, if not everybody, in life will eventually have to take is a course in dried up brooks. I don't think y'all heard what I said. I say it's not an elective. Look at somebody say it's not an elective. You have to take the course in dried up brooks. Brooks do dry up. Brooks unexpected, the unanticipated, the details differ, but dried brooks happen to all of us. Financial tragedy, physical trials, spiritual tragedy, tragedies and travesties will happen to all of us because mortality and temporality is woven into the fabric of our lives. In other words, what I'm saying, eventually all of us going to die. We start to get old and situations happen to the best of us. It matters not our station in life, our brook, our source is going to dry up. It happens to the highest of the high and the lowest of the low. It happens to those who are educated and those that are uneducated. It doesn't matter what neighborhood you live in, what school you went to, or who you rub shoulders with. At some point, most of us are going to have a cause in dried up brooks. 
It happens to all of us. There are moments in our lives when our source of support, our reservoir of supply will be emptied of its vitality. The unexpected closure of a plant, like Electrolux, who announced that they would be consolidating their plant with Springfield, Tennessee plant by the end of 2020, and they expect to move up the road and leave 530 people without jobs. That's an example of a dried up brook. An unexpected government shutdown that lasted 35 days. We knew that government shutdowns have happened before and they've lasted a week or maybe two weeks, but 35 days, a little over a month, and caused people to go for two weeks without a paycheck, nudge somebody said, that's a dried up brook. Some people are still trying to recover from the recession of 2008, after 10 years, somebody shout, that's a dried up brook. And when Delta Airlines decided to close its hub in Memphis, we witnessed right before our eyes a dried up brook at the Memphis International Airport. An unexpected illness or surgery that requires the loss of a limb is a dried up brook. An unanticipated change in status due to divorce or death or disability is a dried up brook. An involuntary or a voluntary reduction in salary is an example of a dried up brook. Uh, if I could borrow the words of Fantasia this morning, life ain't no fairy tale. Somebody, she sure got that right. I said life is not a fairy tale. Life is not only transient, but life is temporary. Anything that is temporal, our possessions, our positions, people and persons, even the physical bodies, the jars of clay that we live in will eventually dry up. It happens to all of us because there is no way that we can completely avoid prolonged shortages and lack because they have a way of invading all of our lives. And Elijah the prophet, that's why I like this text, found out that dry brooks even happen in the lives of a prophet. Touch your neighbor and say, you ain't exempt. You know, sometimes we think that because we serve God, bad things won't happen to us. Sometimes we think that because we love God and we're here when the door is open and we're here when the door is closed that nothing will ever happen to us. Sometimes we think that because we give and we serve and we are faithful over a few things that nothing bad will ever happen to us. But this text is proof that dry brooks even happen in the lives of prophets. In the lives of people who've been called by God to speak for God, dry brooks happen even to the best of us. Elijah appears in the text without any real introduction or biographical sketch. We know nothing of his family or his origin or his upbringing. We don't know where he went to school. We don't know anything about him. He appears on the scene abruptly, and the only thing that we can really identify him with is by his name. He is identified as Elijah the Tishbite, an obscure designation that the ancient versions understood to be a reference of his place of origin. The only thing we really know about Elijah is that he came from Tishbe. We don't know who his mama was, or who his daddy was. We don't have any genealogy on Elijah. Basically, what we find is that he shows up at the beginning of his prophetic career. He enters the narrative at a crucial moment during the reign of King Ahab, and he begins his ministry almost, you might say, the first week on the job. He is given a dangerous assignment. Because he enters the narrative at a crucial moment in the reign of King Ahab. Somebody shout King Ahab. 
He begins his ministry against the backdrop of social and political insanity of Ahab. And Ahab and his Afro-Phoenician queen and wife Jezebel, who is also a devotee of the Canaanite god Baal, they are together and they are creating policies that are oppressive and regressive. Jezebel and Ahab have a marriage, you've heard me say before, somewhat like Mitz, Fitz and Millie on Scandal. I know Scandal doesn't come on anymore. They finally took it off, I think. But those of us that used to watch Scandal know that Philly, Mitz and Phil, Millie and Fitz, that's a tongue twister, had a politically arranged marriage. Wasn't no love in that, amen? But it was about promoting their own careers and promoting their political aspirations. And Ahab and Jezebel had a marriage that was basically a political alliance. It provided both of them with military protection from powerful enemies as well as uh, access to valuable trade routes. With this marriage, Israel gained access to the Phoenician ports. It helped trade. Y'all ain't saying nothing. It helped their trade. And much like Fitz and Millie in Scandal, Jezebel and Ahab shared a politically arranged marriage that was good for foreign policy, but it was bad theology. Because Jezebel brought her gods with her. She introduced them to Ahab, and then she influenced Ahab to make draconian or excessively harsh and severe policies that were good for her personal benefit, for trade policy and their business cronies, but it threatened the economic stability and spiritual growth of the nation. And because Jezebel was a devotee of the Canaanite god Baal, she built an altar and a temple for Baal in Samaria and provoked the anger of the Lord their God. Look at somebody says it's a dangerous thing to make God mad. Sometimes we take chances with God that we don't even realize we're taking because the God that we serve is a jealous God. He says, I'll have no other gods before me. And Jezebel convinced Ahab to worship the Canaanite god Baal, provoking the anger of the Lord, the God of Israel. In Canaanite religion, they believed that Baal was the storm god. They believed that Baal was the one that provided the rain. And thus, Baal, in their thinking, was the source of life on earth. And whenever there was drought, somebody shout drought. I'm trying to paint the picture. It was presumed that death had been victorious and Baal was dead. And so when there's rain, it's presumed that Baal is alive and that death has been defeated. It is against this backdrop of understanding about the difference between Baal and the God of Israel that we see the self-centeredness and the self-aggrandizement of Ahab and Jezebel on display. And it is against this backdrop that Elijah is introduced to us as the prophetic instrument to address the destructive tendencies and the political climate. In other words, what I'm saying is on the first week of his job he couldn't even get his badge good couldn't even get his prophetic credentials good before God sends him to talk to a fool you know every now and then you know you got to talk to a fool every now and then but you don't want to have to do it the first week on the job the first week on the job before he really gets oriented real good he has to go and make a prophetic announcement to Ahab and he makes an oath in the name of the Lord. And he says, as the Lord your God lives, as the Lord God of Israel lives, 
For the issue at hand is that the Lord, not Baal, is the source of life. And Elijah, as the servant of the Lord, dares to declare without any fear of contradiction, because he knows who's the source of life, that there will be neither dew nor rain except by my word. Elijah is challenging the powerlessness of Baal or the power of Baal because what he's really trying to say to him, say to them is, okay, y'all think Baal is the one that's bringing rain? I'm going to show you how powerless he really is. The heavens getting ready to be shut up. And there shall be no dew nor rain until or except by my word. In other words, what Elijah is doing is he is challenging their tradition in terms of their Canaanite religion. The one thing that stands out in his pronouncement is that it's going to be years. Somebody shout years. Years, and they're going to go without rain, not just for a few months, not just for a few weeks, but it's going to be years before they see rain fall again. They're going to be in a spirit, a season of drought, and in an area that relied on rain. In an agrarian area that relied on, grain, on rain because of their crops and because of the fact that they lived an agrarian life, an absence of rain was a life-threatening problem. Elijah still ain't scared. He tells Ahab that there shall be neither dew nor rain. In other words, the stuff that's on the grass when you wake up in the morning. You ain't going to even see that. Ain't going to be no rain and no dew. Until the day that I send the word. The narrator does not tell us the reaction of King Ahab. But it's obvious that, that Elijah is in a life-threatening situation. Because after he makes this pronouncement, God immediately tells Elijah to go to the brook Kareth. And he tells him that he's going to provide for him at the brook Kareth. Watch this, because now that Elijah has made the pronouncement, Elijah will be affected by the drought if he remains in Israel. But touch your neighbor and say, but when you obey God, God will take care of you. One of the things that I've learned about God is that it matters not how crazy the directive is. When you obey God and do what God tells you to do, God will take care of you, and he'll take care of you in a drought and in a famine. I wish I had somebody that could give him praise right there that have been through some hard times and some hard situations, but you live long enough to discover that when you obey God, your supply is connected to your obedience. Oh, I can't get no help. Can you just say that to somebody and tell them, I don't care how bad it looks, your supply is connected to your obedience. Don't let folk fool you and think that you can do whatever you want to do or think that obeying God does not pay off. I stand here as a witness that your supply is directly linked to your obedience to Almighty God. Somebody in here ought to give God some praise because you found out that when you obey God, God will take care of you. There ought to be some witnesses in here that know that you didn't make it without that job because you were, oh, don't get me started. You didn't make it because you were so smart, so sly, or so slick, but you decided. Shake somebody's hand and say, I made a decision. I made a decision to obey God, and God took care of me. He spared me. He made a way. My bills still got paid. I ain't missed nothing. God, help me preach. Because I tell you, when you obey God, God will take care of you. He goes by the brook Kirith. And because Elijah is one of Israel's most wanted men, because Ahab is now ticked off 
because he recognizes that Elijah is not a false prophet, but that what he has said has actually come to pass. Ain't no water in the land. The brook has, there's no food, and he's looking for Elijah, but God conceals him. How many of you know God will hide you until the storm is passed? How many know that if you got a purpose on your life and destiny on your life, the enemy can't take you out until you finish your assignment? Can I look at somebody and say, can I shout now? Do I have to wait? I wish I had somebody that could just give him some glory and give him some praise that the enemy can't do nothing to you until you finish your assignment. It doesn't mean that the weapon won't be formed, but somebody ought to give God some praise that the weapon sure won't prosper. Oh, you ought to think about every co-worker. You ought to think about every ditch, every trap, every lighted folk done told on you. You ought to clap your hands and give God praise and high-five somebody and tell them they tried it, but it didn't work. God to mighty, I feel my help already. God took him and hid him by the brook Kirith. Even though Ahab was looking for him, God protected him and he provided can you just nudge somebody and say, God will protect you and provide? Y'all don't know when to shout. I say, he'll protect you and he'll provide. I'm going to try that one more time. I say, he'll protect you and he'll provide. I'm going to try that one more time. He'll protect you and he will provide. It's one thing for God to protect you, but it's another thing for God to provide while he is protecting you. It is worth noting that Elijah experienced the provision of God because he did what God told him to do. If he hadn't done what God told him to do, he would have starved like everybody else. But verse 4 tells us that the Lord told Elijah, I've commanded the ravens. Somebody shout a dirty bird, a scavenger, a bird of prey. Look at somebody say, you don't know how God's going to bless you. That's why you can't underestimate what God's going to do. You, you can never underestimate the manner in which God is going to bless you. God's ways are not our ways and God's thoughts are not our thoughts. God promised to supply his needs and the unclean bird. The prey miraculously fed Elijah. He was fed well. He didn't just eat once a week. He fed him every day. He brought him bread in the morning and food in the morning. Fed extended in on a dirty bird. Y'all ain't saying nothing. Come on, I'm coming to tell you. That's why I always tell you that you don't just live by income. You live by increase. And I wish somebody could get this because somebody keeps thinking that the only source of your supply is just your paycheck. And I'm glad for a paycheck. But I got some folk in here that have found out when the check don't come. I help me. When they don't pay you, when they hold your money, when, when money is funny and change is strange, you don't just live by income, you live by increase. Do I have anybody in here that can give God an increased praise? The unclean bird brought the food in the morning and food in the evening twice a day. Our Elijah didn't miss a meal, and the narrator makes it a point to tell us that the feeding is done at the command of the Lord. But then something happened. Verse 7 says, the brook dried up. It says, after a while, somebody say, after a while. After a while, sometime later, the brook dried up. Time is filled with swift transition. And life is full of surprises. Some of us that came to worship know that we met some surprises this week. 
Some of us have lived long enough to say that we've had to make some mid-course corrections. We had a blueprint and a version and a vision of our life all planned out. We had timelines and deadlines and action plans. We, we knew what we wanted, how many children we wanted to have. We knew what we were going to name our children. We knew what school we wanted to go to, what college. Y'all ain't saying nothing. We said we were going to attorney. We even knew what sorority and fraternity we wanted to join. We knew what kind of clothes we wanted to wear and the house that we wanted to live in and the kind of car that we want to drive. We envision a life of stability and well-being, love from our family and friends. We started out and everything was going according to schedule. We had to whirl in the jug, as Reverend Curry used to say, and the stopper in our hand. We could see the light at the end of the tunnel. We were making progress, and then something happened. Somebody shout, something happened. Somebody knows that one day you can get a pink slip and you don't have any notice. Somebody shout, something happened. One day there's an unexpected diagnosis for yourself or your friend. Somebody shout, something happened. One day you go to work and they call you into a meeting. You getting ready to drink your coffee and shoot the breeze and talk trash with your coworker. And they call you into a meeting and tell you that your job is being eliminated. Somebody shout, something happened. One day your loved one that you thought would be around forever because they are the picture of health dies suddenly. You didn't ask for it. You didn't think it would happen to you. You saw it happen to everybody else. But somehow you thought you would bypass it. You would belong to God. You a prayer warrior. You know how to fast. You prepared for this. You went to school. You saved your money. You did all the stuff right. You followed all the instructions and all the formulas. You raised your children right. You did everything that the pastor told you to do. But here you are beside a dry brook. Why does God do that? Why doesn't God make it easy for us? Why doesn't God allow us to bypass dry brooks? Somebody saying, I really can't figure this out. I love God. I love God. You don't love God? What's wrong with you? I love God. And I'm sitting here at a dry brook. I've been faithful to God. Come on, you can go and get it out your system. This is where you can come and tell the truth. You, you ain't got to put on no show in here. We can all tell the truth. I, I've been faithful over a few things. My, my name is written in the Lamb Book of Life. I love the Lord. He heard my cry and pitied every one of my groans. I know I am a child of God. I know that I've been born again. And I know folk that don't go to church, who don't pay attention, who do everything they want to do, and God still Seems like God blesses them. And here I am giving God the best I got. And I can't seem to make ends meet. I know folk that don't even think about getting up on Sunday morning or on a Saturday night to go to church. And here I am here when the doors open and when they close. And here I am sitting by a dry brook. I've been good and I've been kind. And yet I'm sitting here at a dry brook. I've tried to help and love my neighbor as myself. But here I am at a dry brook. I've given my tithe and my offering. And I've given my sacrificial gift. And I'm sitting here at a dry brook. I've been good. I've tried to be obedient. I've tried to obey God. I've tried to do what God tells me to do. I've tried to live a life, y'all ain't saying nothing, of congruency. And yet God sends a dry brook because things happen. Look at somebody that says stuff happens. It can change in an instant. It can change in a second. While you sitting here in worship, stuff can shift. The bottom can fall out. Things can happen, and we find ourselves in places that we never intended to be in. What do you do when the brook dries up? What do you do when you find yourself facing the unexpected? 
Well, I want to suggest that there are three things that I believe that sometimes we do. Although these are not inclusive, or these are not comprehensive, but I believe that if we tell the truth, some of us have done at least one of these things. Sometimes we plot. Somebody say plot. I don't mean in the sense of being secretive, but what I mean is we try to figure out a strategy. Because when we find ourselves facing the unexpected, we're trying to figure out how we're going to get out of this. Has anybody ever been in a situation where you found yourself beside a dry brook and it looked like there wasn't no water coming for no time soon and you had to figure out what you were going to do next? I'm talking about a strategy. Somebody shout a strategy. When you wake up one morning and somebody tells you they don't want to be married to you anymore, they love somebody else, and no matter what you say and what you, how much you beg and how much you plead and try to get them to stay with you, they decide they want to go on and be with somebody else. Somebody shout strategy. You got to figure out how to try to make it off one income when you've been used to making it off of two. Or perhaps you've been through a downsizing and now you are already trying to make your ends meet but now they have gone through and snatched some more of your money and you got to try to do more with less. Somebody shout strategy. There's nothing wrong with strategy. When we find ourselves beside a dry brook, we try to figure out what we need to do next in the face of the anticipated because we weren't expecting our lives to turn out like this. Sometimes we pout. Somebody shout, yeah, she right. We have a full-fledged temper tantrum. Come on, go and tell the truth. I mean, we have a fair temper tantrum. We get mad and we say, God, I've been faithful. Why didn't you tell me that if, if I was going to go through, if I had known I was going to go through this, I never would have said yes to you. I'm going to hold back my praise. I'm going to take a break. I ain't going to serve you. I'm going to boycott you because I'm mad, God. Like the man in the apostle, the movie the apostle, who was out hollering at God in the middle of the night because God had not performed according to his expectation. We asked, Lord, what happened? Where did I go wrong? I thought you told me to come here. I thought you said you would take care of me. I thought you made me a promise that you would never leave me nor forsake me. How is it that I'm sitting here at the side of a dry brook? Sometimes we pout. Sometimes we plot. And then sometimes we panic. Somebody shout, she got that right. In other words, fear and anxiety cause us to think irrationally. We begin to do irrational things. Panic screams through our veins. We want to run. We want to be desperate. We take desperate measures. We feel stuck in quicksand that threatens to swallow us up. Fear fills the whole area of our mind, especially when it hits us without warning. Can I tell you, it can be hard to think rationally. It's what leads some people to take drastic measures. It's why so many people are depressed. It's why so many people contemplate suicide. It's why you're not just seeing the everyday average person taking their own life, but you're seeing pastors now that are taking their own lives. Just this past week, there was a pastor that took his own life, a pastor, I believe, in Florida that took his own life. Fifty-five pastors have taken their life, I believe it says, since 2013. And then we saw in the news on yesterday. I saw in the news on yesterday where a TSA officer actually went up in a hotel room at the Orlando airport and jumped to his death because there's something about desperation that will lead us to do desperate things. And when the source of our supply is cut off and we can't see See, the problem is we can't see where the next is coming from. Look at somebody say, I'm waiting on my next. We can't see where the next is coming from. It can be very disconcerting when the brook dries up, when the provision stops, when the source of supply is cut off. But I'm so glad that it doesn't leave us right here. 
Touch your neighbor and say, but I'm glad there's good news in the text. I need to tell you that what looks like an accident might be an act of providence because nothing ever happens that takes God by surprise. Can you just get your preaching voice and tell your neighbor God ain't surprised by nothing? God wasn't surprised by your layoff. He wasn't surprised by the downsizing. He wasn't surprised by the divorce. He wasn't surprised by the marriage that didn't work out. He was not surprised by the sickness. He was not surprised by the diagnosis. Look at somebody say, God ain't surprised by nothing. And because God is not surprised by anything, God has already anticipated the unexpected. That's the reason why we have to shout off the fact that God does provide. We have to give God praise that God does make provision. It means that God goes ahead of us. Providere is the word that is the root of provision. Pro before a video which is like a video, a movie. God has already seen the movie and he knows how the movie is going to play out and because God's seen the movie, God has already stepped ahead of you and God has already made provisions for where you headed do you can't you give God a hand clap of praise that God is never surprised by the unanticipated or the unexpected and here's the good news and we see it in the text the provision dried up don't miss this the water stopped the water was cut off the brook was dried up the raven stopped coming, but here's your shout. Just because God runs out of provision don't mean God ain't got a plan. Can you just preach to somebody and say, I may have run out, but God still has a plan. Come on, tell somebody God still, I'm through. Tell somebody God still has a plan. You may be unemployed, but he still has a plan. You've been through a government shutdown, but he still has a plan. You're going through a divorce, but he still has a plan. You've been abandoned by friends, but he still has a plan. Just preach to your neighbor and tell him God still has a plan. Not Trump, not Nancy Pelosi, not the Congress, not the Senate, not Mayor Strickland, but God has a plan. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord. Lord, my provider, the God who sees, the God who puts rams in thickets, the God who prepares a table in the wilderness, shake somebody's hand and tell them God still has a plan. And I'm so glad that he still has a plan. I'm so glad when I don't know what to do. I'm so glad when I don't know where to go. When I'm so glad when my money is funny and my change is strange. Can you shake that hand and get your good preaching voice and tell somebody, God still has a plan tell them don't quit tell them don't pull your hair out don't slit your wrist don't jump off a bridge don't have a nervous breakdown God still has a plan and he's working in your behalf do I have anybody in here that can get excited that the God that we serve still works behind the scenes the Lord moves in mysterious ways his wonders to perform grab that hand and tell your neighbor his ways are not our ways his thoughts are not our thoughts I still believe that the Bible is true that in everything God still works for the good of them that love God bring that hand Shake that hand. Rock that hand. Tell him he's working for my good. What then shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? I'm looking for some witnesses now that have tried him and you found out that he will 
take care of you. I know the Lord will make a way. Yes, he will. Grab that hand. Preach to your neighbor. Tell him he made a way out of no way. Paid my bills. Healed my body. Saved my children. Saved my household. Shout yeah. Yes. Yeah. Pick me up. Turn me around. Place my feet on solid ground. Can't nobody do me like Jesus. Can't nobody do me like the Lord. Shout yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Do I have anybody that's seen him do it? Find three people. Say, I seen him do it. He made a way. I've seen him do it. He's opened some doors. I've seen him do it. He made my enemies my footstool. Shout, yeah, 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 yeah. Hey! Look at somebody said, when the brook dries up, tell them don't panic, don't pout, and don't plot. God will take care of you. I'm just looking for some folk that got the proof. Look at somebody. Say, I got the proof that God will take care of you. He'll make a way out of no way. Don't you hear him saying, for I know the plans that I think towards you. Grab somebody's hand and say, God still got plans for my future. God still has plans to prosper me, not to harm me. Plans for my welfare, plans for my good. Shout yeah, 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 yeah. Is that all you got? Is that all you got? Is that all you got? Open your mouth. Give him praise. Act like it's already done. Don't wait till the battle is over. Go ahead and shout now. Shout it out. Yeah. 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 somebody said God got a plan tell him God still has a plan somebody here knows that God still has a plan many are the plans the Bible says in a man or a woman's heart but it's the purpose of the Lord that's going to stand. Lift your hands and say, God's purpose is going to stand. One of the things that you can be sure of is that when you are in a committed relationship with God, when you have given yourself to the will and the way and the word of the Lord, when you made a commitment and said, for God I live and for God I die, you might not always see how God's going to do it, but God will make a way out of no way. 
Here's the peace that makes me shout. What I like about what happened at the end of the text is that it was God's idea to send Elijah to the brook in the first place. I said, God, this don't make no sense. It was your idea to send Elijah, God help me, to the brook in the first place. And what the Spirit said to me is that you're exactly right. And that's the reason why I work like that because it's so easy that when the brook dries up, we're tempted to believe that God's power has ceased. But I come to tell you that dried up brooks are not necessarily an indication that God has forsaken us. Here's your shout. It could just mean God is changing the source of your supply. Look at somebody say, can I shout now? Or do I have to wait? Come on, grab somebody's hand and say, it may not be that the brook is drying up. It could just be he's changing my source of supply. I got the proof because when the brook dried up, I stopped at verse 7 on purpose. When the brook dried up, God said to Elijah, no problem. Get up from the brook. Look at somebody say, you can't die at the brook. Come on, find three people, tell them you can't die at the brook. But you got to get up and you got to find a way to keep on going. You got to find a way to keep moving. Because up the road in Zarephath, God said, I got a witness that's got a whole cake and a barrel of meal and a little bit of oil in the cruise. I have commanded her to take care of you until rain comes back in the earth. I come to tell somebody that God still has a plan. Come on, clap your hands and release a shout in this building. Come on, open your mouth and bless him. Come on, lift your hands and bless him as they play the song. Come on, lift your hands and give him glory. As we stand all over the building, look at somebody say, he changing your source of supply. Come on, just find somebody say, he may be changing your source of supply. Maybe you lost the job so you could start a business. No, it wasn't his will that you lost the job, but God can still work it out for your good. Grab somebody's hand and say, he's changing. He just may be changing your source of supply. He may be showing you that he can send a blessing however he wants to, when he gets ready to, however he wants to do it. God is a God of unexpected. Here's it, here it is, I'm through, I'm through for real. He's a God of unexpected surplus. Y'all don't know when to shout. Woo, I'm trying to quit. I don't think y'all heard me. Look at your neighbor and say, did you hear what pastor said? She said, God is a God of unexpected surplus. You know why some of y'all can't shout? Because you ain't looking for nothing unexpected. But that's how God works. He'll sneak up behind you and bless you just when you least expect it. I wish I had some people that God has surprised you, that he snuck up behind you and he blessed you. And you weren't even looking for it, but it came from out of nowhere. I wish I had a few people that could just open your mouth and give God glory.
Look at somebody and say, my neighbor blessed me. My church blessed me. My daddy blessed me. My uncle helped me. My pastor helped me. My sister came. Somebody came to see about me. Open your mouth. Won't God do it? Won't he make a way out of no way? Won't he prepare? Won't he preserve? Won't he provide? Give him glory. Thank you for joining our podcast. We pray that you were tremendously blessed by the word.